0: now, welcome your host, a founding father of SEO and an accomplished search engine marketing scholar, the host of SEM Synergy, Bruce Clay.
1: Welcome to SEM Synergy. Thanks for joining us. This is our 150th episode for SEM Synergy. It's quite an accomplishment.
2: George, can you drop in those clapping hands? <laughs>
1: I'm your host, Bruce Clay, here with Mindy Weinstein and Virginia Nussi.
3: Hello, everybody. Hi there.
1: SCM Synergy is on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific on Webmaster Radio FM.
2: And don't forget the iTunes podcast, so we're straight on your phone when you're ready for us.
1: Later today on this show, we'll be talking to Lisa Byer, author of Social PR Secrets,
2: Lisa is a really awesome social PR. Meld it all together, you know. Adapt your traditional PR to this really social viral environment we're working in type mind. So,
1: and you you probably know her because she's a a frequent attendee of conferences.
3: Oh yeah,
2: we've known her for years. Yeah,
1: so she's really, really, uh, pretty well known. So we'll have a nice talk with her.
2: And since we're kind of looking at the social sphere today, um, it's really timely that this news came out that Facebook manipulated the news feeds of users so that in this week-long experiment, 700,000 users saw positive versus negative um, news in their feeds, and Facebook was testing if that affected what they then themselves shared, and um, what do you know, it, it did. Um, they were getting all up in users' heads. It's pretty powerful stuff.
1: Well, that the first thing that comes to mind is I kind of wish uh, the positive side was the only side, I would think, and I wish that uh, ch- television channels would pick up on it, and magazines and newspapers. and <laughs> You know, if it has a positive effect, I'm all for it.
3: Well, what I think is interesting, of course, so many people weren't in up in arms about it. I mean, that's for sure because they felt, you know, they were manipulated or how could Facebook do that? But in all honesty, I think it's kind of an interesting study. You know, I mean, it is an interesting study. I would hate to think that I was actually a part of it, but it is interesting what they were looking at and the emotional connection they, they saw. Now, my take on it from, and I actually said this to people who were really complaining about it, is, you know what, you're using Facebook. It's a social network. It's not costing you money. You know, don't turn around and complain about things that they might be experimenting with, which I know is a little bit also controversial for me to say that, but it's kind of how I feel. I mean, no one said you have to use it. I love Facebook, but don't complain.
1: Well, I think the average person, if you look at your newsfeed, you don't really read all of them anyhow, you're going to scan fast and your eyes going to be attracted to more than likely the person you know, the interesting words in a topic or the images.
3: Are the cute baby pictures? That's what that's what I look at. Cute pet pictures and the cute baby pictures. So I'm happy when I'm on Facebook. So you're as already long as biased. they're not
2: feeding you the negative. Yeah, feed. as long as they're not giving me yeah.
3: like animal tax. I guess there you go. <laughs> Animals, but I mean that's a good point. But you're right. I mean you look for certain things when you're on there.
1: So if if what they did is they fed you things that were positive, I would say that most of the newsfeed items. Even though I'm interested in my newsfeed and I scan it all the time, I don't read them all.
2: Certainly, I mean, that's where it starts, right? Like, you're not going to be able to read everything that comes through your newsfeed. So Facebook's developed an algorithm which they think represents the most interesting things. So you're giving... So they already have, like, a lot of power in deciding, like, what it is that is going to be important to you. Now, yes, if, if we don't... If we want to use Facebook, then we're agreeing to all the ways that they make the service. The same is true of Google, you know, like, but we can sit here and complain about them all day because why not?
3: Right. And it's fun.
2: It's fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I just don't remember when Fox bought Facebook.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Exactly. If you want to like (laughs) take the next step, it's like, well, what if it's in their interest that we support some stands mm-hmm. politically, and so they feed you, you know, that kind of information more than the other side. Are they going to be able to sway your opinion?
1: Well, then it it transforms news into propaganda. Right. And it smacks a big brother, and it, you know, you feel manipulated. I think that's why people get
2: scared when they, they hear about these experiments,
1: And and if it was a true experiment and they can come out and say, hey, if we give you good stuff, everybody uh, shares more often and they're a happier bunch. And if we give you unhappy stuff, then you're going to be unhappy. I mean, that shouldn't surprise us. Um, It might want to have us actually uh, more so control what our kids see or, you know. Things like that might not be too far out.
3: Or going in with your eyes open. I mean, we know this. This is news. I mean, it definitely made media coverage about Facebook and their and their study and their experiment. Go in with your eyes open, and you make the decision. We're going to continue to yeah. watch Facebook. And same with Fox. You know, we know Fox is more leaning towards one side. Well, if you choose to watch it, you know, it, you're, you know what you're getting yourself into. What
1: I really wish is I could opt in to the plus side. I, right. know, I, know. I want Sounds to opt good. into yes. that half of this particular experiment like, on what purpose.
2: There could Every be some day. dials you know, that you could change on your preferences. To a that. slider bar. Yeah. I, yeah.
1: I want to be happy today. I want to slide it to only happy news.
3: Can we send them that suggestion? I like that. Just, you know what? Today I want to be happy. So this is what I want to see in my news feeds. Again, going back to my babies and pets. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's all I want to see.
1: But I'll tell you, I think a lot of people, quite frankly, if they put a switch in there that said, do you want depressing or happy, I don't think there'd be a whole lot of depressing, right? uh, I don't
3: know, I don't know. <laughs> maybe,
1: maybe, but it, you know, if I could pick which way I'm going, I think that would make it a much more engaged and uh, better received platform. And I think it would be good for me.
2: That's interesting. Back in the early days of Facebook, like, I don't know, seven years ago, I remember there was a preference, like, in the preferences, you could say that you wanted to see more photos. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. Yeah, and I thought it was... It's just interesting to think back. I mean, now that that kind of thing is is baked in, but they could do all sorts of things to allow us to personalize what we see, for better well, or
1: worse. I think that when I heard about this particular experiment, I wanted to know how I got opt into the happy happy face, <laughs> and. Uh, You know, I personally think that that would be things that people would want.
2: Yeah, so anyone listening, move that up the chain at Facebook. (laughs) Um, Okay, one other thing to hit before our break. Um, Link building uh, is a controversial topic, especially in light of Penguin. In the past few years, we've talked about um, the right way to link build or if it's still a, a good tactic to um, practice. So there were some interesting results of a survey recently um, that looked at looked for people to report how much they plan to spend on link building in the coming year. They broke it down into budgets. Um, and generally, people spending in the low range, they report that they let fewer people respondents reported that they will be spending between nothing and five thousand dollars. However, peop, more respondents said that they will be spending between five and fifty thousand dollars. And then zero versus ten percent in twenty thirteen said they'll be spending the top of the scale at fifty thousand plus. So Bruce described this as the bottom moving.
1: But I'm moving, up. moving up. It's almost as if people may be abandoning cheap for quality, and in which case you would naturally see an increase in the amount of fees that would be associated with the same amount of work. But fundamentally, if people are spending more on something called link building, I think that what we really want to do is discuss what is link building in their eyes. I mean, it could be that the reason you're spending more is that you're actually doing link pruning and getting rid of your bad links, and there's a cost associated with that. Uh, And then, because we're just talking about social and social PR and things like that, are you also including uh, links, whether they're uh, followed or not, that would be buzz, like is is a link on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn or social media and blogs and things like that, are are those actually becoming more expensive now that you can't buy them? Because if you cannot buy them, you have to earn them, and therefore it's going to be more expensive. So we have to... What is it? What is, you know... What the, is link
2: building as they define <laughs> it?
1: Yeah.
3: Well, when I look at this, I mean, going off what you said, I... Bruce, I agree with you that the fact that less people are paying up to $1,000 for link building, that tells me that people are moving away from, hey, I'm going to pay this SEO company, you know, 100 bucks this month, and they're going to get me a bunch of PR6 links, you know, guaranteed, of course, right? So people are, there's awareness, they're moving away from that, they don't want penalties. But at the same time, the fact that there's so many people paying more money makes me believe that they are looking at it as more of a PR activity of, yes, I actually have to have something that people are interested in, and let's get the awareness out, let's get our links that way. So through social media, through good old fashioned again, publicity, you know, a press release, just letting people know about you. And again, having something that's even worth people's while. So it's definitely a more natural activity, which is going to cost more. Investing
2: in quality content that people actually want to share and earn you links. Exactly. All right. It's time for a break on our 150th episode of SEM Synergy. So stay right there.
0: Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back.
4: As a business owner, you labor for the love of it, and you don't always have time to worry about your website. With GoDaddy Managed WordPress, you don't have to. Simply create your WordPress site or migrate an existing site. GoDaddy will handle the hosting, setup, backups, and security, and keep your site running at blazing speed so you can share your passion with your customers online. Visit GoDaddy.com and enter code MANAGED to get managed WordPress for $1 a month, plus a free domain. Some limitations apply. See website for details.
5: webmasterradio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial go to shipstation.com slash webmaster radio now shipping nirvana starts here
4: looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your facebook page imagine facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen introducing your new facebook marketing fix BubbleFast burst onto the e-commerce scene as a family-owned shipping supply provider back in 1999. The product line has grown, but Mark and Robin still own and operate BubbleFast as a family business. Being sellers themselves has taught them what online sellers need to safely and affordably deliver their products to their customers. BubbleFast is proud to be an active member of the community of online sellers. Mark and Robin sponsor seller meetup groups, share shipping tips and tricks through social media, and always love talking to customers and helping solve shipping challenges. Check out the website at BubbleFast.com. Sign up for the Bubble Briefs newsletter to join the Bubble Fast family. Use promo code WMR to get a 5% discount or call Mark and Robin at 877 599 7447. Happy shipping from Mark and Robin at Bubble Fast.
0: Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on WebmasterRadio.fm.
2: Hi, welcome back to SEM Synergy, the 150th episode. Yay! Let's talk about Google Quality Score. And we're talking about the AdWords um, scoring mechanism um, for, you know, pay-per-click ads.
1: Well, as most people know, pay-per-click historically has been an auction-based system that has been biased by something referred to as quality score. And quality score, while nobody has been handed the silver plate that says this is the algorithm, was generally based upon the quality of the landing page. Is it about what the keyword's about? Uh, And click through rate kind of things. Is, Is it popular? Oh.
2: The, the reason we're talking about this is because Google has just recently updated its kind of definitions about quality score, which it hasn't in years. Um, there's a white paper about quality score that guy, that is kind of like the reference for, you know, mm. marketers, SEM marketers. So um, the, there were some changes, and it seems to downplay the importance of quality score.
1: Correct. So... Fundamentally, that perception of quality score is the one that I think most people still have. Um, Now, Search Engine Land had a new quality score info need-to-know blog post um, or article, and it it certainly does cover changes, um, but it, it did, as you said, it did appear as though quality score was not being emphasized as... Uh, as major of an issue in determining your pay-per-click ranking as it once did.
2: Literally, it says that you shouldn't treat quality score like a KPI. It's more like a warning light. Um, But if quality score affects your position, then that's a pretty important KPI.
3: Well, and also, I mean, if it affects your... I mean, your wallet, really, affects the amount that you can pay and that you can advertise with, then yeah, you're going to pay attention to it. I mean, we were talking earlier, we knew of someone who was paying $23 per word, and his competitors were paying $5 for the same one, and it had to do with his quality score. So yes, Google's trying to downplay it, but for businesses, you know, again, it's their wallets. I mean, they still feel it is an important thing to pay attention to.
1: I don't think you can ignore quality score. Uh, And and perhaps quality score uh, is going to be somehow coupled with uh, EAT, Um, you know, expertise, authority and trust from uh, the organic side in the future. But for the time being, quality score is probably one of the best indicators that the audience is interested in what you have to say and sell. They, they click on your ad because it makes sense.
3: And they click on your ad and expect to get a page that is relevant to what they searched and what they clicked on. So, I mean, it just tells me that despite Google saying to downplay it, you know, you still have to pay very close attention to the quality score. You can't just ignore it. It's still a big, big issue.
1: I'd be interested in finding out what they are also adding to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually in an algorithm, if Google were to downplay something like Quality Score, they're either going to scream it's a bidding system and bidding system only, and that's all there is to it, or they're going to put something in to take up the slack. And I am not at all aware what they would be putting in to take up the slack.
3: Right, right.
1: Maybe... uh, it could be that they've come up with an algorithm that determines that you really are a terrible bidder, and because you're a terrible bidder, you'll rank higher, because they want you to spend more money per click than the guy next to you. <laughs>
2: That'd be weird. Did you see that the, um, the second quarter earnings came out? And Google um, their revenue went up twenty two percent over last year. When and you know most of their money comes from, from ads. So it appears that whatever they're doing they're going the right direction. <laughs> exactly.
1: Well I, I think that and if we go back to the beginning, Google is a public company. They are obligated to be in the business of making money. As the internet grows, certainly there will be some growth. As Google becomes more efficient, there will be some growth as well, just due to efficiency. Uh, As their software becomes better, there will be some growth there. Uh, I think that uh, the areas, and I still think that the areas that are underutilized is places. I think that Google has yet to start selling ads there. I think that is going to be their big savior in the future. It'll pass pay-per-click revenue, I think. But for the time being, their revenue comes mostly from pay-per-click. And there's a lot of companies right now going to do it. I'm fully expecting the holiday season, which we spoke about last week, the retail things, uh, people are still reeling from penalties. I fully expect that this holiday season that we are going to see a very large growth in pay-per-click revenue for Google because a lot of companies, you know, they're up really against the wall. They, If they have a penalty and they have to stay in business and it's the holiday season, you're gonna see more people buying pay-per-click. And I fully expect that to happen. The other thing that I think is happening perhaps to help pay-per-click revenue is The real delineation of local and uh, intent and location-based type activity uh, is allowing people to bid more locally, and that may have a tendency to cause the bids to be a little bit higher. And more people will participate in pay-per-click. So uh, if you have more participants and each one's 20% higher than it would have been if they were bidding nationally you could see an increase. I haven't uh, tried to figure it out. I just fully expect that pay-per-click will keep inflating. I expect it to be really significant coming in for fourth and first quarter of 15.
2: And if you didn't listen to last week's episode about some things to do to start your holiday campaign planning, um, go ahead and check that out. And right now we're going to take a break before we come back with Lisa Byer, author of Social PR Secrets. So stick right there and we'll be right back.
0: Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back.
5: Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com.
0: Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on webmasterradio.fm.
2: Welcome back to SEM Synergy. This is Virginia and I'm joined by Lisa Byer, author of Social PR Secrets and a specialist in taking traditional public relations and amplifying it and boosting it with today's online social tactics. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Lisa.
6: Thanks, Virginia. It's so fun to be here, and I'm excited to um, talk about the um, topic today related to um, one of my favorite TV shows and social PR secrets. So, thanks for having me.
2: Right on. So, like, we have been a co- collaborating for some time, you know, with Bruce Clay Inc.'s social media and PR. We take your um, insight and lessons into account when deciding how, you know, BCI will promote our content and big announcements. And like you said, there's this uh, column that you just published on Search Engine March this week, and it kind of pulls together a lot of the different tactics that we will use in a kind of ten li- top 10 lists, um, social P- PR lessons. But the twist this time is that We use the show Orange is the New Black to kind of illustrate how one um, brand is using these tactics.
6: Definitely. And um, I think there's, you know, the one thing that I think brands need to um, kind of look at in perspective is just how you don't have to be a big, sexy TV show to do some of these um, strategies that they're doing. And, you, you know, brands of all sizes can gain inspiration from some of the things that, shows like Orange is the the New Black is doing when it comes to social.
2: So on this list, we've got 10, but let's talk about some of our favorites here or my favorites anyway. Um, Using hashtags with meaning and power and purpose. Um, One thing is like you, you, you watch any TV show today, and you'll see uh, a hashtag on the bottom of the screen. Or you go to a restaurant, maybe, and you'll see a sign there that says, "You know, follow us on Twitter." Or and I think that you can take that a step further by creating your own hashtag.
6: Definitely, and I think that, um, you know, one of the things to take into consideration with any business or product or service is the beauty of, you know, ultimately being able to use a name of something as a hashtag. So when you're naming something, um, taking into consideration maybe other hashtags that are being used and the different ways that you can actually take your brand and turn it into a hashtag and turn it into a trending topic.
2: That's a good point. You should probably do some research first and see what's what's being used in terms of hashtags and don't like step on top of maybe one that's already out there.
6: Definitely. And I love how Orange is the New Black, how they use, um, you know, they, they, you know, use the initials of the show's name as their hashtag and then they, you know, that's, helping to, um, you know, attract and index the content that people in the conversations that people are talking about, but then they also take it a step further and they use it in their profile image on most of their social networks and um, use it in the different branding and the different visuals that they're using. So, you know, not just using the hashtag in the text per se, but then taking it a step further and using it as part of the visuals.
2: Oh, and it also allows you to kind of create separate tags because there's also the Ask Orange tag. So if the cast is having like a conversation, you know, a live Q&A on Facebook like they do, um, they have Ask Orange, right? And then now you have a whole separate kind of way to follow the conversation specific to that
6: definitely and um another show that does that really well that brands can get inspiration from is the today show and they have different spin-offs um using the word today today sunsets um and you know whatever the trending topic might be or some sort of an event so taking your the your brand name and then matching it with um you know the way that orange is the new black did it with ask orange where they're you know, it's part of their frequently asked question Twitter chat. So definitely combining your hashtag um, with your brand name and using different subsets of it.
2: There's another one that you've got here, which is to um, empower brand advocates. So the way that Orange is the New Black is doing it, as you explain in your article, is they've created a day where they ask fans to wear orange and people send in their pictures of them you know wearing orange or dressing their pets in orange or eating orange cupcakes or whatever with again a hashtag we wear orange on Wednesdays or something to that effect Um, so I guess the takeaway there is you know If you've got um, fans of your products, you know, if you showcase them being involved with your brand, then you'll be able to amplify your reach.
6: Yeah, and I think just enrolling them in the conversation. So if you're, you know, just another example of just not always talking about your brand, but enrolling your community into some sort of a conversation and getting them involved and getting them um, to interact with your brand, whether it's wearing the color orange or participating in some sort of, you know, if it's breast cancer, let's say breast cancer awareness month, wearing pink, changing your logo pink, doing something that's, Reaching beyond just what's happening within the brand and going into your you know the lives of your community
2: um, speaking about the lives of your community, I think that's one thing that social media does really well is um, it brings you know a a a brand or a product into you know your everyday life and um, they want to do the same with you they want to know who you really are um, and I think it's important, you know, in content marketing that you've decided what your story is as a brand. um, And um, so that you can allow people this like sneak peek of, or behind the scenes, look at who you are, which is another one of your points.
6: Totally. Um, You know, I think that, you know, with Orange is the New Black, we're talking about a TV show and actors and what's happening behind the scenes in their real life. But if you just replace, let's say, the TV show with the brand and the actors with the employees, um, you know, you, it's going to create um, a relationship and give it more of a personalized um, impact on your community. If you're showing what's happening, let's say, you know, at Bruce Clay, clay Inc. what's happening behind the scenes what what does your office look like are you guys having a dress up friday are you having celebrating somebody's birthday so it doesn't have to be like i said the sexy tv show to really give the behind the scenes of what's happening because whatever the community is your community is they want to see you know it's going to invite them in and personalize it and give it a more human effect to what's happening at your company or at your brand and definitely deciding what that culture is before you let them in behind the scenes is probably an important pr step to take (laughs)
2: <laughs> okay so there's this other point you have um curate visuals that tell your story across all social screens and when I was reading your article and when I was looking at what orange is the new black is doing you know on instagram or facebook or google plus I noticed that they really take time to create different visuals just so that it's not like posting the same thing over and over again which can be um challenging when you're like creating this this image, you take the time and you figure out what good text to put on an image and you want to just put them on all your you know Google+, plus Facebook, etc. But then again, like what's the point of somebody following you in multiple places if you're just reposting the same thing? So it's it's hard personally I've found to find the right balance between like making a million different images so it's different for every audience um, and, and wanting to use your media in more than one place. Do you have any tips for like smart ways of creating visuals that are unique to a channel?
6: Well, I think that one thing, um, if you're just looking at being efficient and trying to mix it up a bit is that you don't necessarily have to post the same thing on the same day on the same channel, but you can do it on different days so that you're mixing it up. And maybe, you know, you have a little bit more of a straightforward type of content, um, social media content on LinkedIn. That's not as fun. And then you have, you save more of the fun type of visuals too for let's say Instagram or Facebook. But, um, you know, I would test different things because sometimes the fun stuff on somewhere in a place where it's more of a professional tone to it, that might get the attraction in the in the news feed of let's say a LinkedIn because they're not used to seeing it, you know, so maybe just Mm. taking a little bit of a a step out of the box um, when it comes to not, you know, not trying to stay, okay, this is the safe place. This is what everybody else is doing. Try to do something that not everybody else is doing to stand out.
2: Good point. Um, And I guess what's interesting is you had another piece also related to, Social Media and Orange is the New Black, but over at socialprchat.com. And this one kind of looks at how commonplace and how much of the the language of being a public relations and kind of um, community-based brand representative today requires fluency in social media.
6: Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, it used to be that, Social media was, you know, if you spent too much on social media, were you really working? Was that considered work? And was it really worth it? And this um, tech group just came out with a survey um, where they surveyed social media users, um, most of them in the public relations field, and, you know, looking at how much time they actually spend per day using social media, and then how much time people are spending per day using social media to follow news. Um, or report news. So, you know, it's turning out that we're spending three to four hours a day in social and that we're getting the majority of our news through social. It's not always um, the most um, qualified source. So even though we're hearing about things on social, we're also using social to go to credible and authority type sources to confirm what we're hearing via social on those, you know, CNN type of sources that are, you know, kind of confirming what's happening in the news if it's something is heard just on social through, let's just say, you know, a, a citizen journalist.
2: Yeah, we still have to do our fact checking, but we've got more sources of information. So it's it's an interesting time to be a news consumer and also, you know, a PR professional,
6: Definitely, definitely. I mean, you. You're. It, it. seems like you know. You could definitely spend twenty four seven on social and get completely sucked in. So, um, there's a productivity and <laughs> balancing act that needs to come into play. That not everybody is. That um, you know, it doesn't come as easy to everybody. And I'm not saying it comes well, easy to me either.
2: <laughs> right. Just keep working on it. Um, okay, Lisa. We would. Um, if people want to follow you on Twitter, you're at Lisa Buyer. And you can check out the hashtag social PR secrets because that's where like some uh, constant new information is published about um, the kinds of things that we talked about here and the kinds of topics that you instruct about in your book, social PR secrets with a new edition coming soon
6: yes i'm working on the second edition um actually as we speak this week i'm wrapping it up and it should be out on amazon by the end of august at the latest so look for the second edition of social pr secrets
3: very exciting
2: it's a great book and i recommend you check out the first book uh, edition if not the second coming soon thank you for coming on the show lisa
6: thanks virginia for having me
2: And thanks everybody for tuning in to SEM Synergy. See you same time next week. Have a good day.